everybody. Welcome to OK Talks. I'm your host, Oliver Cantwell. I'm a lifelong political nerd with an academic background in international relations focused on security policy and real-world experience working in the U.S. domestic political space and living in a number of other countries than my own, all of which combined, I think, positions me fairly well both to interpret for my international audience what's going on in the politics of my own country and to shed light for some of the folks back home on some events of note going on in the rest of the world. So in the last episode of this podcast, I mentioned two U.S. politics-related things that I wanted to talk about, one of which I ended up deciding to say for the next episode, that is to say this one. Now, in retrospect, I kind of wish I hadn't done that, because in the time between that episode and now, columns have appeared in what seems to be every single major newspaper making the exact point that I was planning to, so, you know, oops. But hey, better late than never, so this episode will make the point that I clearly should have at the end of the last one. But before I get to that, there are two things to mention. Firstly, of course, if you haven't done so already, please do remember to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you listen. And also, please do go ahead and share the show with anybody you think might get something out of it. All you have to do is hit the button with the three horizontal dots, select copy link, and send it around. I know the content producers, please share my stuff, shtick gets really old, but that really is how we get off the ground. So to those who have already shared the show, thanks, please do it again. And to those who will, thanks in advance. Secondly... I don't think that I could do an episode right now, especially one focusing more on American politics, without mentioning, rolling my eyes, and laughing at the news that dropped this week that the House Republicans under Speaker Mike Kevin McCarthy have decided to open an impeachment inquiry into the president. Now, I roll my eyes and laugh at this for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's just ridiculous on its face. Like, this impeachment inquiry represents yet another attempt to try to make a story out of the unfortunate antics of Biden's son, Hunter, who has struggled with addiction and engaged in some, let's say, eyebrow-raising business adventures. I talk about the Republican windmill tilting directed at Hunter more extensively in episode 45 of this show, so I won't go too far into it here, but... I just don't see the attempt to publicly embarrass Hunter Biden as being the knockout punch that some Republicans seem to think that it is. For one thing, trying to indirectly embarrass the guy for having a drug problem probably isn't going to play that well in a country which recently has broadly been having to reckon with the challenges of addiction in the context of the opioid crisis. I think it's going to look mean, and Biden in turn will look like a supportive father for standing by Hunter in stark contrast to his likely opponent. For another, the whole conceit of their argument seems to be that because Hunter may have engaged in some questionable business tactics overseas, Joe is somehow himself corrupt, or in the thrall of foreign interests or something. But again, Biden's record here as well stands in pretty stark contrast to his likely opponent in the next election, who himself violated the Emoluments Clause of the Constitution just about every day by taking money hand over fist from unsavory foreign actors like the Saudis and others laundered through their ostentatious spending at Trump's D.C. hotel. Second of all, besides the inquiry being ridiculous on its face, or perhaps somewhat because of it, I chuckle because you almost gotta feel sorry for Kevin McCarthy. I did an episode focused largely on him, number 32, I think, upon the event of his ascent to the speakership, in which I said a number of unkind things about him, but one of the most consistent themes had to do with him having spent years bending over backward to accommodate the Trump wing of the Republican Party, only to then have the most lunatic fringe MAGA members humiliate him and basically preemptively castrate his speakership in exchange for their votes to get him the job. 
a sane conservative columnist, Matt Lewis, wrote the other day in the Daily Beast that McCarthy's only weapon right now is his willingness to be humiliated. And yeah, this would seem to be a pretty good example. Because, okay, like Kevin McCarthy is not famous in Washington for being a particularly intelligent person or a skilled tactician, but he's not a complete moron. Which means he has to know that this isn't going to be good for his team. I mean, even besides what I just said about how empty these accusations against Biden are, just take a look back at the last quarter century or so of political history. Impeachment doesn't tend to be too helpful to those who try it out. Bill Clinton famously enjoyed sky-high approval ratings and Democrats unexpectedly outperformed in the midterms in 1998 after Clinton was impeached by a Republican majority for lying about an affair probably didn't hurt that the Republican leading the charge on this was also guilty of the same thing. Then more recently, when Democrats impeached Donald Trump for, you know, the actual reason of having attempted to extort an ally in a military crisis for personal political reasons, it didn't really end up hurting Donald Trump that much or help Democrats in the short term. Like I say, a brilliant intellectual and adroit political strategist, Kevin McCarthy is not. But he's gotta know, this is not a good move politically. But he's doing it anyway, because he also knows that if he doesn't, he'll lose the speakership. If he doesn't do this right now, to paraphrase myself in episode 32, Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene will set aside their little cat fight to field dress his carcass on the Capitol lawn while a drunk Matt Gates tosses the speaker's gavel out the window of his office. Ironically enough, McCarthy launching this absurd impeachment inquiry in order to hold on to this job a few more months is going to almost certainly have the effect of causing Democrats who aren't that enthusiastic about Biden, which is my nice way of saying disloyal, to rally around the president and have the effect of further beclowning congressional Republicans, making it even more likely that they lose their tiny majority in 2024, <laughs> thus also resulting in Kevin McCarthy being not speaker. I'm sure there will be more to say in the coming months about this impeachment inquiry, but for now, on to the point that I principally want to make in this episode. The one that I planned to make at the end of the last one, decided to leave until the next episode, and now massively regret having done so for the reason I whined about at the top. So over the last couple weeks, several polls have come out which showed that a little over 75% of Americans think that Joe Biden is too old to effectively serve as president for another four years. Now, besides just the headline, which anyone who's heard episode 42 of this show knows is going to make my head explode all on its own, there are a couple of other specific numbers within this poll that are causing me to have a very hard time not shouting into the microphone. For one thing, included in one of the polls was the fact that almost 70% of Democrats, when asked, told the pollster that they think Biden's too old. And if you're a Democrat talking to a pollster... I mean, besides the fact that I think you're wrong on this, and how about a little loyalty for the guy who got Trump out of office and then enacted more of our agenda by far than any president on the blue team since Johnson, you know what? <laughs> it's an election year. Keep it to yourself. There's been some talk in the context of the Trump versus Biden dynamic that the old adage that Democrats want to fall in love and Republicans want to fall in line is starting to be less true, and I tend to agree and am excited about it. That is to say... I would love to see Democratic voters show up reliably to support the party and its agenda, rather than needing to be constantly inspired by some super charismatic candidate at the top of the ticket in order to actually bother voting. Yes, I do think the old Dems fall in love and Republicans fall in line thing may be changing over the long term. 
But at least in these couple of polls, on the other hand, 70% of Democrats gave the answer that screws Biden, and only about 30% of Republicans did the same to their guy. Speaking of Trump, in these polls, in which about three-quarters of Americans apparently think it's time to put Grandpa Joe in a home, only about 50% of Americans overall said the same thing about Trump, who, may I remind you, is only three years younger than Joe Biden. He's also, unlike Biden, morbidly obese. And although, to be fair, I'm none too well-positioned myself to criticize anyone for liking KFC now and again, a disproportionate number of Trump meals do seem to be served in a bucket. He also has shown obvious signs of cognitive decline on many occasions in recent years, ranging from a total inability to focus, according to some of his advisors, to confusing a picture of a woman he was found guilty of raping with his ex-wife, which would imply that he either forgot who his wife actually was, or thought he was married to this other woman the whole time, neither of which would be a great sign. Biden... Okay, yeah, you got me. He fell off a bike that one time, and he tripped over an awkwardly placed sandbag on a stage... And yes, he does make pretty frequent slips of the tongue. But as I've said before, he didn't get the nickname Big Mouth Biden last Tuesday. He's been like this for decades, partially as a result of having to fight to overcome a stutter. His verbal mistakes are not new, and thus should not be viewed as evidence of some obvious pattern of decline. They are, however, powerful ammunition when folded in with his age in a narrative about his supposed feebleness. These polls... These polls don't show that Biden is actually too old and tired to be president. They show how much damage can be done to public perception by a relentless narrative driven by a bored media that doesn't have as much personal drama to cover as they used to. Now, for the record, I do want to qualify that dig I just made at the expense of the press by saying that I generally think that blanket criticism of the media, quote-unquote, as a block is reductive bullshit, and I try to avoid it at all costs. But this merry-go-round of, of endless nonsense, speculation about Biden's age, as though he were some doddering, demented retiree who wandered pantsless out of an old folks' home and into the Oval Office, I, I can't help thinking that it's at least partially a product of the press these days having far less material in the way of scandal and intrigue and straight-up forgot-to-spell-check-your-3am-insult-tweets-embarrassment coming out of the Oval Office since Trump left town. So they've seized on this. I mean, just over the last couple of days, Biden made a whirlwind trip to the other side of the planet to have head of state meetings with the leaders of India and Vietnam, while also attending the G20 summit and having to try to wrangle those countries into a tougher stance against the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And if you didn't know any better, you'd think that the only thing that happened on this entire trip is that Biden at one point said, quote, I'm going to bed, unquote. Like, seriously, that dominated the coverage of this trip. Now, I've made that journey to and from Southeast Asia from the American East Coast myself a couple times, and it always knocked me on my ass, so either 30's the new 80, or we should probably all be a little bit less surprised that somebody of any age might get a little jet-lagged after traveling 12 time zones. Look, bottom line, I don't mean to imply some sort of media conspiracy to make Biden look bad. Well, in the legitimate news source, anyway. I mean, Fox has got to be one pitch meeting away from replacing half their programming with a loop video of Biden tripping on the stairs to Air Force One. But whether or not it's intentional among legitimate journalists and commentators, constantly talking about Biden's age, asking about it to every human being in front of whom you put a microphone, poll after poll asking specifically about this, which then leads to an inevitable slew of stories about the results of the poll. I mean, it's enough to make any life insurance agent not want to sell the guy a policy. 
But that doesn't mean that they're right. The existence of a narrative that Biden might be too old to do this job does not mean that it's actually true. Biden is perfectly capable of doing this job. If he starts, like, freezing up in the middle of press conferences and staring off into space for minutes at a time like Senate Majority and Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, then we'll talk. But based on what we have in front of us right now, he's fine. And I insist to you, he is better at this job than anybody who's held it since at least 1968. That a majority of Americans asked in a poll believe that the simple fact of being over 80 somehow negates this fact doesn't mean that they're right. It's a great example of the fallacy called argumentum ad populum, the idea that something must be true because lots of people believe it. <laughs> or to quote Bill Maher, eat shit, 20 trillion flies can't be wrong. And I mean, <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but let's say that I'm the one that's wrong. Donald Trump, the likely alternative to Joe Biden, because no, there's not going to be a serious Democratic primary challenger. And although some Democratic voters apparently think it's a good idea to gripe to pollsters about Biden's age, they're not going to be dumb enough to actually turn around and vote for America's national spokespeople for healing crystals, Marianne Williamson, and tinfoil hats, RFK Jr., who are the only candidates that are actually challenging Biden for the Democratic nomination. For the record, a third-party candidate can and will not win, and Donald Trump is, as of right now, very much on track to be the Republican nominee. So, yeah, the alternative to Joe Biden, who has been a very effective president even while already being old, is another four years of Donald Trump. A man who, while president, destroyed America's reputation abroad and shredded our alliances, kidnapped the children of asylum seekers and put them in cages under space blankets, presided over the negligent homicide of hundreds of thousands of Americans through a failed response to the coronavirus pandemic, and then tried to stage a violent coup upon failing to win re-election, just to name a few things. It also has to be noted here that even if, by some miracle, someone not named Donald Trump manages to get the nomination, well, many if not most of the other Republican candidates have staked out policy positions on most of the issues that are certainly at least in the neighborhood of as bad as what Trump is promising in a second term. Biden likes to say, don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. And yeah, that is the adult way of making choices. I guess what I'm trying to say here is, even if I'm wrong, <laughs> I don't think I am, but let's say for the sake of argument that Biden really is in very poor health. Well, as Trump's first term really should remind us, a president of the United States can do a whole lot worse than just being a little low energy. And speaking as someone who hails from the generation that coined the phrase, okay, boomer, as a quick way to write off old people and dismiss their ideas, I'm getting pretty tired of the entire narrative around Biden being not about what he's actually done as president, but rather about the fact that he was born during World War II. And that's it for this episode of OK Talks. If you like the show and want to make sure not to miss the next episode, hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you listen. If you want to help the show get off the ground, do remember to leave a review and most importantly, share the show around. To those who've already done so, thanks. To those who will, thanks in advance. Thanks to my friend Nate for having designed the podcast artwork and to everyone else for listening.